The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions with guest Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. Got a lot to cover. Are we going to get football back? Does anybody know? All of the SEC ADs met in Birmingham on Monday. We learned nothing. So here we are, July 14th, stuck in the same place. Also, a lot of news to come from Kermit and just a little bit on the modern women phone line. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe going on Amazon. Hit an add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. 
Give Chaney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest, Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis. But first, Rippy, what's up, man? Not much. Me just recently made the drive back from oh, Fort Worth, Texas to Oxford, Mississippi, which is not a fun one if you've ever done that. But uh, made it back. Feels like I hadn't been in Mississippi in a while. Like I did like the vacation thing, and then I drove out there. Uh, this whole working remotely thing is kind of nice, though. I would kill for it to go back to normal. But uh, kind of being able to be anywhere and just all you needing is a laptop and you know some recording equipment is, is nice. All fourteen SEC ads went to Birmingham on Monday to meet with Greg Sankey. I don't feel like anything came of it. it so I, I saw briefly the press release they put out yesterday as I was driving from the, from the meeting. And I saw that they basically just said they'd come to a conclusion by the end of July, which I think is, I don't know if anything can be dubbed as smart as this point, but I think that is a practical method of going about things because that was one of the big reasons. And Colin and I talked about this a little bit while you were away with the whole Ohio, not Ohio, I don't want to keep saying Ohio State, the whole Big Ten conference-only schedule announcement, it kind of felt like the Big Ten was pigeonholing the other conferences to make a decision. I think there was some some disdain there because of that, because I don't feel like they had to, and they want to kick the can down the road as far as they can before making a decision, because the news cycle with this virus, while it has had a few bad weeks in a row, changes so often, why not just wait till the last possible minute? I was ready to come on here and bemoan the fact that we were barreling towards an inevitable outcome of football not being here, not coming in the fall. And then I wrote a story about Tim Elko on Monday after talking to him because he's right now in Summer League Baseball in the North Woods League with Fond du Lac. And they're playing. And they figured out a way to navigate the COVID-19 reality but also play games. AAU is playing games. How come, right now, at this moment, there are games being played in this country and they figured out a way to deal with COVID? And you got the bubble leagues coming up with Major League Baseball and the NBA. How have they figured these things out, but college football is still struggling to process its own way out of this, its own way to navigate this? And and I think it keeps coming back to one issue, the liability issue. It's being done right now. Sports are being played. Yeah, and doesn't some of the lack of, I agree with what you're saying about liability, but there's also an element of this that the lack of a concrete plan or a lack of figuring it out comes from a lack of uniformity, right? Like, so I imagine that Summer League has a commissioner or something that runs it. I imagine AAU, though I don't know the actual inner workings of how that, that 
that association is structured. There's probably some sort of head, some sort of board, something like that. And college football is just these fragmented parts operating on their own, all these different conference commissioners kind of doing it as they see fit. And I think, uh, you know, spoiler alert here, not being on the same page during the time of a global pandemic makes things harder to get done. Uh, and you, you mentioned the inevitability of there being no football, but and we were kind of talking about this the other day. I, I just think, and I'm not gonna, I'm not saying it's gonna be normal. I don't know how many games are going to be. I just think that it's almost inevitable that they are going to at least try to put some sort of game, some sort of product on a television screen to scrape up whatever money they can, as bad as that sounds. But let's be honest here. That, to me, even through all of this negative, neg- not negativity, all of this pessimism in the news cycle and the things looking bleak, negativity makes it sound like it's people's opinion, things look bleak. But even through all of that, I, I swear, I just keep going back to the fact that they can't leave all of that money on the table. Like, they've got to try some form because everyone else in terms of college athletics is sunk if football does not happen. The SEC should be leading on this. They should be developing their own bubble system. If the Northwoods League and Summer League Baseball can do it, and what happened was this, it's not like they haven't had setbacks. A couple of teams had players come down with COVID. Those teams quarantined. They missed some games. And guess what? They came back and they played some more. They're good. They cleared it. They're following social distancing guidelines in the dugout, in the locker room. When players go into the concourse, they have to wear a mask. There's no interaction with fans at all. Reduced capacity. All the things we've heard. The SEC, with Greg Sankey, should be leading the way with its own bubble plan. Because bubbles are the way you get sports back. Major League Baseball, bubble. The NBA, bubble. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, they can make their own decisions about how they want to do things. A conference-only schedule, you're still going to have to travel a long way, take teams a long way. If you're the SEC, two hub cities like Atlanta and Birmingham, bring your teams in, play some games. But then you'd have to finally admit to yourself that you have to pay the players. But that's a completely different conversation altogether right now. I'm frustrated because it didn't have to be this way. But here we are staring a reality of no football potentially in the face. When I get my most fatalistic, I do come back to what you say, which is there's too much at stake, too much money at stake, which again goes back to the conversation of pay the players. Because if your entire system is built on football happening, well, you've been getting by without paying your labor force this whole time. And now it's proven once a pandemic hit, once the nightmare scenario happened, you can't live without them. Hell, these kids need a union. You're seeing intermittent pockets of positivity from what they are doing, right? Like I saw something Kentucky today. I tested, you know, 159 people and two tests came back positive or maybe it was zero. And Kansas State had paused voluntary workouts. And yeah, I think it was Kentucky had zero. And then Kansas State paused voluntary workouts because their cases swelled up to like 10 yeah. or 11. Yeah. And that was on June 29th or something around there. And now it's back down to one or two. So you're seeing this being controlled by some, but then you have other places where it's just broken out a ton and you got, you know, very few kids at workouts. And so it, it's it's a lack of uni- uniformity, like we keep saying, I feel like we're talking in circles. But yes, to your point, like like if you're gonna do the bubble thing, you gotta gotta accept like you're one, accepting the terrible optics of we're going to have 
these guys play football with no fans in the stands because it's not safe for them to attend. But uh, these unpaid dudes, it's definitely safe for them to go hit and sweat on each other. No, we just need them. We just need them. We have to have them. That's a bigger conversation that they don't want to have. Does that inversely springboard the whole name, image, and likeness thing? Because that's coming, and then you have this terrible optically looking thing that is this football season with no fans. To me, that would almost give all of that more momentum and more credence in a weird way. There's no way to defend the other side of it anymore. But the reason I brought up the Northwoods League, when I was talking to Tim Elko, how are y'all doing this? How are y'all playing? He gave it away. Every player that goes to the Northwoods League, you have to have NCAA eligibility. And they signed a COVID waiver, effectively absolving the Northwoods League of any liability should any of them come down with COVID. You're basically saying, if I get it, I'm not going to sue the Northwoods League. The SEC would have to effectively do the exact same thing, all of college football. That's what's happening. But it didn't have to be this way. We're in mid-July. And we're still having all of these big picture questions, which to me is a direct result of a complete failure of leadership from the federal level, which punted responsibility for all decision making to the states and broke everyone, every state into factions. If we lose football because our three equal branches of government and two party system couldn't come together for one cause, the one cause that should have called for it to formulate a consensus, streamlined plan built around mass testing, contact tracing, quarantining, safety directives. These directives we all should have been following for months. I mean, you shouldn't as a citizen have to make the determination on whether or not a mask works, whether social distancing works. We should have been doing it all in a uniform manner anyway. Not forever. Not taking away freedoms. Taking care of each other. A mask isn't about keeping you from getting it. It's about limiting spread. And here we are in mid-July talking about the same stuff. Yeah, and writer brain at work here, you mentioned like leaving it up to the states and you getting this disjointed response. And then there's some kind of metaphor or parallel to be drawn from the states doing it to all these different conferences doing it. It's just not exactly. a perfect metaphor in the sense that you know, the option of uniformity at the at the government level we're talking exists in the form of the federal government. They just didn't do it to where that governing body for college football obviously does not exist. But there is a lot of similarities in how it was handled and the disjointed response breeding chaos and uncertainty. There should be no opinion or split opinion on masks. There should have been a directive from the federal government, a streamlined objective of how we were going to handle this. Back in, what, March? Probably February, January. We knew about it in November. But now we're, we're debating masks. We sent COVID patients back into nursing homes, quit caring about the elderly. Our mass incarceration problem was further exposed. Inmates are contracting the virus and dying at disproportionate rates. This is human life. I had the virus back in February. I'm convinced of it. I was sick for a month. Doctor said it wasn't the flu. I was told it was some aggressive form or a new strain of pneumonia or something. What does that sound like? Chase Parham is convinced he had the virus too. And we were in the press box with you. We were all there together. Who did we get? I remember it to? this. And yeah. My uh one of one of someone in my family got a very similar thing around the, the that exact same time. Like put two and two together. What do you think that is? 
But the second opinion on masks, I'll just go, I'll I'll provide that one. It's that Uncle Sam is coming to muzzle me like a dog and wear my wire my mouth shut as a part of a larger conspiracy. Just gonna throw it out there. Oh man. <laughs> I couldn't even finish that with a straight face. Oh, God. Who did me and Chase, who did your family give it to because we pretended this shit wasn't all that much of a threat? Now 130,000 Americans are dead. Preventable death. Had we had a plan? And this isn't political to me at all. I'm just pissed off at everybody. And to hear nothing really come of the meeting on Monday at all, we didn't hear much of anything. It was just a generic release saying critical decisions are going to have to be made. Well, no shit. Of course, critical decisions are going to have to be made. Did they want that, though? Because it seems like they wanted to kick the can down the road, wait till the end of the month, see what this looks like in three weeks, although there's not a whole lot of evidence to point that it's going to get better. But the fact that nothing came out of today seems to me, if I were sitting in Sankey's chair and you're holding out all any form of optimism, that would be what I would want. I would want it to wait until the end of the month. They keep kicking the can down the road. That's all we're doing. We should have been pouring money into education so we could ensure by August we would be getting kids back in schools. Kids absolutely need to be in school. But my wife, and this is where I sit on that issue. I want kids in school. I have an eight-year-old who wants to go to school, see her friends, wants to be, needs in-person learning. My four-year-old needs to go to day school, but my wife is a third-grade teacher. What have we done to ensure my wife and other teachers like her have the resources available to handle in-person instruction in the midst of a pandemic? Somebody's got to tell me. She'd be fine if she got the virus, but if she took it back to her mother or her brother or her sister, all of which are real COVID risks, that scares the hell out of me. New Albany's preparing for in-person instruction. They're plowing ahead and good for them. They should be. But schools nationwide are having to make their own calls. And without help from the federal government who take our money and give it away to big corporations who pocket that money and don't bring back the jobs they cut when the pandemic first hit. Emily's going to be paying north of $200 out of pocket already to get her classroom set up. What about the additional cost of dealing with COVID? Some kids are going to need masks. Hand providing sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Yeah. There's no federal plan to protect teachers and administrators and custodians. We just yell, get the kids back in school. And we all agree on that. But it's how we've approached this damn thing the whole time. We've all got opinions, and I'm with y'all, but we're not taking the steps to make it happen. What are we doing exactly? We're told to live with this now, and I don't accept that. There should have been an education plan rollout yesterday, the latest in a series of rolled-out plans, which is how functioning societies and governments operate. Sports, there should have been a plan by now. It's July 14th, and they all met in Birmingham on Monday, and there's no plan. This is an absolute dereliction of duty from our federal government. They failed us. They can't stop their daily pissing matches against each other for one day to formulate a national response to get us back to some semblance of normalcy, including sports. We didn't have to completely shut down the economy. We could have socially distanced while keeping restaurants open, limit indoor capacity at restaurants, clothing stores, whatever, mandate masks, overwhelm businesses with hand sanitizer and cleaning stations, and everything else they need. I'm getting worked up. I'm mad. Don't leave it to the states. We're all in this together as Americans. This is what we're going to do. Instead, nothing. Here's a story for you. I went to Florida a few weeks ago. You and Colin filled in for me. I visited a vintage toy store with my oldest daughter. When you walked in, there was a fence. And one of the two workers guarding the gate door of this fence, closing you off from the store. 
You had to wash your hands, sanitize, and put on gloves before you walked in. You had to wear a mask. Once all those things happened, gate opened, you walked in, and even then, they limited capacity, but they made those decisions. That store made that decision by itself. Guess what? They got over 100 bucks from me that day. Store was hopping as we were leaving. People were patiently waiting their turn outside. People would have accepted restrictions if they were made in a bipartisan, good-faith manner, but this is America, and we fight over everything. It didn't have to be this way. No, it did not. But I agree. I mean, it's just a kind of the, the whole overarching theme in all of this is that everyone kind of agrees on what everyone wants and maybe what should happen with a lot of things, but the taking the necessary steps to get there is a whole other story. Fear of porn in the media hasn't helped. All those pictures of crowded Florida beaches out there, get out of here with that. Beaches are about the best place to be during this thing. You can socially distance, you're out in the open, you can eat in your room or in your little slice of the beach away from other people with your own small circle. But when you go out to restaurants at night, wear a mask indoors. Better yet, mandate all outdoor seating. Restaurants would have adjusted. My family owns restaurants. They had to get by on catering and pickup orders. And revenue plummeted. They could have stayed open. They had to get rid of a bunch of employees. Say, look, we'll bring you back when the pandemic's over. We don't know when this is going to be over. They could have stayed open under strict federal guidelines. But we didn't have anything. Actually, we had some in government still dismissing COVID completely for months. And now here we are, months later, cases skyrocketing, whatever that means, because no one believes the stats on either side of this anymore. Restaurants are having to contact trace their own customers, having to do ourselves the dirty work the federal and state government wouldn't and won't do. The European Union is back to normal. Citizens eating out in frickin' restaurants, soccer every other day. Other countries are back to normal. Why? When they shut down, just like we did, there was a coordinated plan and everybody followed it. We haven't had a plan from the start. We're still behind on testing. Former White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney admitted as much on Monday. No side trust the stats. My point is there shouldn't be sides. We should have a consensus idea of a novel virus that changes daily based on the research and findings of the scientific and medical communities. We should be pouring money into housing and development, education, you name it, rent relief, mortgage relief, helping landlords. Instead, the Yeezy Corporation is getting millions of dollars in PPP funding. The Rand Institute. What are we doing? We're fighting. That's all we know to do. We yell and we scream, and nothing gets done. Meetings happen in Birmingham, but they don't know what they're doing either. What information are they going on? What are they supposed to believe? We're about to lose football, and I'm scared about the future, about my job, about your job, about the jobs of people listening to this show. We don't know what's to come. I asked Kermit Davis about this, and he's coming up in just a minute. What are sports in general going to look like in a year? Feels like we know as much as we did in February, and that's not on us. That's on our elected officials. They're responsible. It didn't have to be this way, and that, for me, is unforgivable. If we lose football, it's going to wreck so many people. Better hope and pray that Major League Baseball and the NBA bubble stuff works. Maybe the SEC could create its own bubble. Test and test and test is what the MLB and NBA are going to do, and turnaround on results has to be faster if we're getting football because that could work. But if it doesn't, it's done. Because the crux of the issue, and you and I have talked about this, it's the liability issue. The SEC is going to have to figure out its own testing method. So far, it's left, the federal government has left all the schools to fend for themselves. SEC, you're on your own. The Big Ten and the Pac-12, they made that decision for you. The federal government isn't coming to help. You want to watch the Rebels in the fall? Greg Sankey better get 
his butt out from behind a microphone spewing woe is us nonsense and freaking lead. Mike Slive would have done it. Do your job. Decide your member institutions are going to test, test, and test some more. Put your own protocols in place. Draft up COVID releases for players and their parents to sign. And if they're not comfortable, they opt out. And that's okay. That's their right. Good for them. Take care of yourselves, kids. But screw all the other conferences. Your league is the leader of college football. Lead! It's frustrating just because of the consequences that it'll have for us selfishly and then just so many other people as well. So I don't even think it's really selfish to say that. If you don't have football and if you don't have these sports come back, it's going to affect a lot of people outside of us as well. And it's going to be really, really bad. I mean, I I don't really have anything. Can a liability waiver even work for college athletics? They're unpaid laborers. Yeah. I don't know if it'll work or not. I guess we're about to find out, right? I mean, maybe. Drafting up different types of uh, language to make sure that they not only get to still not pay the players, but also reap the benefits, the financial benefits of their labor once we do get football, if we do get football. I just look at the Northwoods League, and I see a possible roadmap for what sports could or maybe should look like moving forward, especially if the professional bubble attempts work out. But you have to answer the liability issue with colleges. I've given up hope that people making the decisions from a federal level will do their jobs because they're afraid, but leadership has been vacant from the start. Let's just keep screaming at each other. Let's just keep yelling at each other. Let's just keep filling that vacuum with stupidity and conspiracy theories because this polarization sure has worked out so well so far. I don't know what we do. I don't know what you do. You can't keep kicking the can down the road. It's July 14th. And it feels like we've had this exact same show every week for four or five months. The only thing that's changed is it's gone from Ben and Colin to Ben and Brian Scott Rippey. The two times you had stepped away and Colin and I filled in, it was the exact same show. <laughs> the same conversation with, I mean, with nothing it's just different new. forms. Of this. No, it's, nothing new. So it's like. What are we? What's the Taylor Twelman clip after the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago, where he just repeats, "What are we doing?" I mean, it's been like that on repeat for months. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market. As one of its newest sponsors, LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, 
The only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. I don't understand what we're doing. I don't understand what the plan was from the get-go. It's really shitty to look across the sea and watch soccer be played every other day. It sucks to see friends in the European Union taking pictures, eating out at restaurants. And we're here in the greatest country in the world, and all we're doing is fighting back and forth. We're disregarding stats. I mean, just as if you're somebody that might be conservatively believing the stats to be one thing, Left-leaning people, they view the stats another way. They think stuff's being underreported. You think things are being overreported. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's no consensus on anything. No one trusts anything. So let's put the blame, all of us, on where it belongs. And that's our great two-party system of government that can't come together on the most basic thing, the overall health of its citizenship. Here we are, July 14th. Kermit Davis coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. Meeting happening in Birmingham where nothing, we hear nothing, no uniform decision being made. All Greg Sankey says, critical decisions are going to have to be made in the next couple of weeks. Wow. Wow, man. <laughs> really, take us into those meetings. No one cares if we get SEC media days back. You know what would have really helped ratings or revenue for the SEC network? Put a camera in those meetings. Yeah, it would have been uncomfortable, but dead gum it. It had been something. True. Tell us what's really going on. What you're really considering. Maybe I'm just being an optimist, even though this has sounded completely pessimistic and fatalistic. In the end, there's got to be football. You're right. I'll give it to you. You're right. I just don't see how you do it because there's been absolutely no plan since we shut down in March. I'm with you. There's everything to lose. But how are you going to play a conference-only schedule? In the SEC, you're still going to have to travel all over the place. Expose those kids and those trainers and those coaches. And what happens when inevitably, and this has happened at Ole Miss, one player at a position group comes down with the virus. You're going to have to quarantine all five. Are you going to have to forfeit that game? How do you even decide which teams are the best teams in college football? You know there's talk right now of an eight-team playoff this year played in a bubble. Now, that'd be fun. They go to an eight-team playoff. They ain't ever getting just a 14 playoff back. So I'm all for it. I've heard this. An 18 playoff. A bubble system. Three-week deal. Go to one place, these teams, just like the NBA going to Orlando. How do you determine which eight teams get to go? The arguments are going to be insufferable. But if, 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 if in, in three months and you and I are doing this podcast, and we're spending half the time complaining about how insufferable the talk show television arguments are, I'll gladly take that. I'll that means we're in a much better place. I mean, think about Ole Miss recruiting right now. They lost to Doni Mitchell, that wide receiver, that four-star wide receiver on Monday. They're 96th or something. I think according to 247, 104th in the country in recruiting. That is better than their 2018 defensive statistics, to be fair. <laughs> But, man, 104th. And I don't blame the coaches. 
I don't know how you recruit this environment. What else are you supposed to do? Yeah, what are you I mean, supposed to do? Because like, no one's recruiting right now, really, anyway. And so, like, so, like, yeah, of course you can't blame it on them, but that also like kind of delegitimizes that number, right? To a degree. Do you have to completely switch up your strategy to where you're? Just how do you take... have a signing period in December? Like, who how? knows? Like, how? Yeah. So, like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, I... how do you have a signing period in February? How? How basketball has figured that part of it out a little better, but the pool is so much smaller in basketball. I did a story recently with a 2022 kid. Maybe is it no? It's a 2021 forward I talked to. He's a JUCO forward. They like him a lot. They offered him and had a virtual tour with him that day that they offered him. They've got the virtual tour thing down pat, but football isn't like that. While Ole Miss is targeting what 30 kids. For four spots in 2021, and I was wrong, by the way. And Tavian Colin, he's coming back. The decision was made, I think, last week. Kermit Davis talks about it. So, spoiler alert: there's the news today. Makes I, I don't know. Look, the, the, but the situation you say you were wrong. Okay, maybe, but the situation you were describing, like both no, situations, make sense. You could make an argument for either one. Leaving the scholarship open, bringing him back, like both seem to make sense. I just, to your point about leaving the scholarship open, what is he adding to your roster? I guess that remains to be seen because you didn't get to see a lot of Dude Collins last I year. I think he read shirts. I was right about Ole Miss approaching Dude. When, before he entered the NCAA transfer portal, they approached Dude about paying his own way for a year. This was before Blake transferred. And that's the last I heard about it. Kermit's going to talk about it in a second. They were going to do it. It's just like with baseball. Knox LaPosser entered the NCAA transfer portal. He was never leaving. He's playing in the Northwoods League with Tim Elko. He's back with Ole Miss next year. It's a way to manipulate roster numbers. So Ole Miss could effectively take Dude Column off scholarship, let him pay his own way, and then have a full allotment of scholarships. The eligibility isn't really affected. But now he's on scholarship. I think he gets redshirted. Dude with three years of development in Kermit Davis' system might be worth more than whoever that fifth guy is. That They value that, apparently, over the open scholarship. And that's where I say I was wrong, because I was wrong. But it comes back to this. Football can't recruit like that. Lane Kiffin nailed it back in March whenever or April, whenever he said it. This has affected first-year staffs more than anybody else. Oh, 100%. It's indisputable. It's indisputable at this point. There's no way that they can operate. They can't get kids on campus to recruit them. They haven't been able to show many football, like the spring football practices. They lost their camps. They might not even get to show them games. So you're just going by a leap and a prayer if you're committing to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. You don't even know what Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin looks like. It's the relationship. Everything you said is true, but with first-year head coaches, it's the building relationships part that probably hurts the most. Yeah, Marcus Woodson, he's had a long way to go for this class specifically in this region. Chris Partridge wasn't recruiting this region. DJ Durkin wasn't recruiting this region. Lane Kiffin, he doesn't really recruit, period, but you know what I'm saying. Well, Deke Adams and Terrell Buckley, you'd think that you'd be getting some more benefits out of Mississippi, and that's a question I had. But here's the thing. They can't even evaluate some of these kids right now, dude. Ty Keyes I mean, is the, a guy that you probably – would offer if you see him in camp. But they haven't really been all that high on Ty Keys because they can only watch video, and they're like, I don't know if he fits. He might otherwise right. have an offer and be committed to you. But you aren't afforded that scouting and evaluation opportunity 
because of the pandemic. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I'm just losing it, man. Cooped up in our homes. They were talking about it again and again. I mean, Ugh. yeah, and like, honestly, and I don't mean to like bring this back to myself at all because I'll be fine. But it is like, to your point, it's, it's very like anxiety driving, right? Like just for what happened and, and like, I mean, I'm one of you know, millions that like lost their job in June and I'm kind of making it work with some different things. But man, the uncertainty. Including the old spirit, own spirit.com and affiliate of 247. Yeah, absolutely. And having a damn good time doing it. I just, I just say all of that to say there are very many people like me that are just kind of look and like you to a degree too, like you're describing, just looking at every day and just the, the lingering sense of uncertainty that you wake up with every single day is just very taxing i'll put it that way i'm not uh, special by any stretch no, but it, it is relatable I, yeah. no it, I, I get your point and it's so funny because david johnson he called me one of the first days he was back and i love david to death and i'm so happy that he's back but it was funny and i laughed he goes i don't know how y'all been doing this every single day <laughs> welcome man welcome yeah welcome. you'll get the hang of it yeah, I mean, I thank all of our people for sticking with us, man. But all of our people, all the people on Neil and Chase's board, they're all talking about the same thing, and that's COVID, and that's the path forward. They shouldn't have to be talking about that. There should have been a massive federal response. It just feels like we've thrown something here and something there, and it's, there just hasn't been a uniform, this is what we're going to do, this is the plan, move forward. If it didn't work, it didn't work. And then the you kick it. Thread on everyone's board should be critiquing the plan that's in place, not the fact that there's no plan. Tell me what the plan is. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. <laughs> it's state by state. Florida's plan is different from Mississippi's plan. Texas's plan is different from New York's plan. And everybody's just arguing about whose plan screwed up the worst. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. Life is I one mean, gigantic I, message board. Man, we should be talking about practices coming up. Ole Miss Media Day would be coming around the corner. Football. And I thought we'd get something newsworthy on Monday. Maybe I was naive. I thought we'd get something meaningful. A, a North Star to kind of point our ships toward. Instead, critical decisions will have to be made in the upcoming weeks. What great leadership. Greg Sankey knows how to endear himself to Ole Miss fans, doesn't he? After how he dealt and helped Ole Miss, helped well, Ole Miss the NCAA investigation and then this. And as we wait on those decisions, I know where I'll be uh, virtually on this pod and in my out in Oxford at my house uh, and wearing a mask if I'm not at my house. <laughs> I'm so tired of talking about masks. So uh, social distancing and. I, I remember the first sports. day I went to go get a like I the first day the mask mandate in Oxford to Tannehill's credit, we were on top of this, so the mask is not a like foreign concept at this point. Uh but I just remember the first day like out getting off work and like going to buy like I think I was going to buy some beer at a gas station and I'm just walking in and everyone's got face coverings on and I was like, it's like an alternate reality. And now it's just so normal. It's like second nature. It's the weirdest weird. thing for me in this whole deal is when Emily went and did a pickup order at Walmart for the first time to go get groceries. And she pulls up, I hear the garage door open, I go to help her unload. But she's not letting me pick up the sacks and carry them in because she is wiping off every single thing that she bought. She's got these wipes, Clorox wipes, not you know, whatever they are, just these cleaning wipes. 
and disinfecting everything she bought. And I went, oh my God, it's like we're living in one of those like plague movies or like The Walking Dead. And I still haven't gotten used to that. And I walk into Dollar General, which is right down the road from my house with a mask on, and, and you would think that I'm wearing, you know, I'm a wimp on my face. It's like, it's like a, a third arm growing out of your ass. Yeah, yeah. Because we have politicized basic things, the basic things we can do. And they're still in July, July 14th. I thought coming back from Florida, taking a little mini break over the weekend last weekend because I needed a mental break, I thought maybe by this point we start to have some clarity because that's what everybody said. That's what Keith Carter said. He said July 1 to July A, what? It's July 14th. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Nothing. It's Groundhog's Day, man. We just hit reset every single morning. Every morning. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, please leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to go now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. That's it for Rippy. Thanks, man. See you next time to talk about the same things uh, on another Groundhog Day. <laughs> Let's first hear from Modern Woman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to regular guests on this podcast at this point. It's Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing great, Ben. Good to be with you. You hanging in there pretty good? We are. We are. It's been good. We, uh, you know, a week from today, uh, a week from Monday, um, we start our workouts with our guys. Everything now has just been voluntary. So it'll be good to get them back on the court. We're doing small groups, small numbers, social distancing, no competitive stuff. Gosh, it'll be great to get them back and start doing some skill development and and in the weight room, and so we'll be able to get four hours on the floor and four hours in the strength conditioning. So how do you spread them out? Good question. I mean, 
you know, obviously like in Kiwi, you've got six goals, so you can get guys on, you know, you know, if a part, you can do shooting drills where you can get, you know, you get a couple guys on each end. And, and so we'll just keep them spread. Every coaches will wear gloves. Anybody that touches the ball will wear gloves, um, managers, masks, um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to, you know, just add as good a protocol as we can. And, uh, and, you know, and you can still get a lot out of like our workouts. We'll do skill development on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll lift on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And, uh, you know, and so it's been good. Our guys have gotten acclimated, been at least have about three to four weeks of just some conditioning work. Just got to build the body back up. They're also long. Is everybody that's going to be on the roster next year on campus? They're not. Demetrio Vaughn is finishing up a class uh, to complete his undergraduate degree at Ryder. And so everybody else is here besides uh, Demencio and Rudis on a Zoom call. And uh, and then, you know, Demencio Hodges is on that. And uh, so he should be here hopefully uh, middle of August. So his class doesn't end until till later. I hate that for him, but that's just kind of the way it fell. So you have one open scholarship. You're just going to leave it open? Uh, no, we're full. We're full. Dude is uh, – we put dude on scholarship. And uh, so Dude McCullum will – We'll take that scholarship, and uh, he was at one time he had agreed to pay his own way, and uh, he's going to pay his own way and just come to school and possibly maybe even redshirting. But but now you know obviously uh, dude is going to be on scholarship, play on our team, and uh, we look forward to having him having be a part of Ole Miss basketball. That's a great development because uh, for a while there it didn't look like that was going to happen, and dude. You know, there were spurts in which he really showed he could give you something. I'm, I'm sure for you, um, I know with the way it happened with Blake, maybe not the best way, but for him to be able to stay and, and be on scholarship and continue to develop, I mean, that's got to be an encouraging thing. Well, it was. It was a big part of my decision, too, that, you know, dude was willing in his family, got a great family, was willing to say, Coach, I'm a, I love Ole Miss. I'm a, I'll pay my own way for a year to do that. And, uh you know, because there was no doubt at time. I mean, dude helped us win games, you know, and uh, I mean, some things, you know, happened at the end of the year, and, and so it's kind of why we reached a decision, but, but he's, he's done great. He's been back here. He's worked his tail off and been with us for now for about, you know, about a month, and uh, so, uh, and I, I think, like you said, hopefully it'll make great progress and, and help us again this year for sure. Did Blake surprise you? Uh, no, we've been having uh, discussions since the middle of May. Uh, Blake uh, didn't. He wanted to have a change of uh, position. He wanted to play a big guard all the time. Um, he wanted more freedom on offense. Uh, you know, he just wanted a bigger role. And and so we had had those discussions, and then he told me a thousand percent he's coming back. And so then we didn't have any discussions anymore. He was just. You know, it was all, he was all in. Everything was good. But uh, he was the first one on all the Zoom calls. And just and all of a sudden, about middle of June, I was getting a text on a Friday morning, Coach, I'm going to transfer for And so, and that was it. And, uh, you know, so we're, 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 we're I think, so we got great depth at that position. I feel really good at the players we have. And uh, we'll just move forward. That's got to be a hard thing to deal with, though. When you get, like, that text, what's the response? How do you handle that when you're a head coach and – you're you're expecting one result and then you get that. Well, just 
you know, what, what happens is that when you coach a guy for two years, and then we all, we all think the world of Blake, you know, nice kid, you know, nice young man. We just, uh, but when you give me your word and say a thousand percent, you're with me, you're coming back and blah, blah, blah. And you just take it for that. And he never gave us any indication to do anything else. But like I said, we'd have zoom calls. He's the first one on the zoom call. Uh, you know, he'd participate in, in zoom. So but everybody's got the right to change their mind. And he did. And, and, uh, we're just going to move straight ahead. I was just surprised about him bringing up the flag issue, which is something that is now near and dear to your heart because you were vocal in that. Um, cause he never brought it up before. I don't think. Yeah, that's, you know, I would have welcomed that conversation then, you know, and, uh, he never had, that was never brought up in, in our discussions within the possibility of transferring or with any of my assistants. And, uh, and I would have welcomed that discussion if it was ever been brought up. So when you went down to Jackson, did you expect to speak? I did. They asked me about a day or two before. Uh, there'd be a press conference. And uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, really, really good, outstanding coaches there. And I think just me being a native of Mississippi got the opportunity. And then and, and it was something that uh, it was really gratifying. Uh, it, was, it was great for me to, to, to kind of represent some of the other coaches uh, in that building. And it was a fun day, I think, for, for everyone. And, and it was a good change for Mississippi that uh, was very, very long overdue. Was this an issue you knew you wanted to take a lead on? No question. No doubt. I mean, I never understood that flag for years and years, you know, growing up in the state. And, uh, I mean, and you know, I come back to Ole Miss and, Ole Miss wasn't flying the flag, you know, and I guess other universities weren't either. And, and you look around, you know, why have a state flag that people aren't proud of? It doesn't represent everyone in our state, but just a flag that represents everyone. I, I never understood why would you want a flag that deters economic growth, that deters business growth, that doesn't represent all the population of your state? I, I don't know why you want anything that just a symbol that, that hurts you. And, uh, you know, so those kind of things, I think, Ben, should be in a museum or in a building that people can use for teachable devices, but not for public display, you know. And so, uh, like I said, we, we can't go back in the past. we just got to be living symbols of what is present and then move forward and hope it's going to help our state. I had David Sanders, former Ole Miss guard. You know him really well. He coaches at Callaway on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and he brought it up and it's true because I've experienced it too covering recruiting for so long that that flag has deterred kids from coming here and it has been a direct reason why Ole Miss has suffered in recruiting and has been used against Ole Miss in recruiting. You've experienced that firsthand I would assume. Yeah years and years of it and uh, so my, my thing is this Ben about the flag about you know like I said uh, and then I get on some different shows around the country and some hosts have just said, you know, my mom and dad wouldn't even let me open up the letters from Ole Miss, you know, or it wasn't going to be just because of maybe a symbol of that. And uh, so we've got so many good people in our state. And so the flag is a change and hopefully that will represent now, we just talked about it here two or three times, you know, the population of our state. But you know what people have to look at, too, it's been at the rallies and, and the ones that you're proud of, the peaceful rallies around the country. 
is young white America that's marching with, with, with black America. And then not just young white America, but, but white America that's joining in with black America in, in these marches. And so obviously uh, black students coming to our school, uh, as well as young white students making their mind up of coming to a school that they want uh, a place that, that feels comfortable for everybody. Well, you've taken it a step further. You're um, part of the membership that launched the McClendon Foundation Minority Leadership Initiative. What is that? Well, what, what it is, John McClendon, if you can Google him, Ben, you may know him, but I know I've been Coach McClendon was just a guy that kind of paved the way uh, for black coaches in our country. And, uh, you know, he was, he was an NBA pro coach. Uh, he broke a lot of the color barriers. He was a tremendous man. When you read about him, uh, he was a coach at Cleveland state. So the first black coach to ever really coach at a predominantly white, uh, university. And so what it is, and, uh, Cal kind of started it and he called me. And, and so what we're going to do is, is it's going to be a, a fellowship or an internship because, uh, it's just not enough black representation in athletic departments around our country. It's just not. And, uh, and so what this does, this is an initiative to where we're going to, we're going to have a paid fellowship or intern for like $33,000. And what happens is that, I mean, with combined with, with, with G3 marketing and ProLink staffing under the, the McClendon foundation is they have a pool of candidates of minority candidates. And so what will happen is that they'll come in, you know, and, and, and work in the athletic department at Ole Miss. We're just kind of in the early stages of this right here and and just like sitting down with athletic department personnel. It's not a basketball position. That's not it. It is, it is a, a position that can work throughout the athletic department on our campus. And hopefully, Ben, what happens is it really prepares them for some really good entry-level positions uh, after that, the following year. You've been championing uh, minority representation initiatives for a long time. And I'm not just saying that to pat you on the back, but it's true, especially when you look at your staff, for example. You staff three African-Americans as assistants. For you, when did this become a passion or something, an issue in college basketball, maybe college athletics as a whole, that you knew we have to take a real look at this? Well, it was a real early age. Um, you know, my dad in 1962, when when James Meredith in October, you know, was admitted into to Ole Miss, my dad spent 25 to 30 days on this campus with the National Guard, you know, in the protection of, of James Meredith, like a lot of National Guardsmen did, you know, to secure safety and the well-being of others on the campus. And then, you know, he was he went to Mississippi State and, and obviously – you know, the basketball coach, and they signed the first uh, black player at Mississippi State, started five black players at Mississippi State. And so, you know, I've just grown up in a in a family that obviously that was always important to our family. And so, you know, when I came to Oxford, I was going to hire the three best guys I could find, and I did. It was important to me that I could really find three qualified great uh, black coaches that had unbelievable families. And the biggest thing I'll say about, and I don't want to speak for those three guys, you know, Wynn, Ronnie, and Levi, but if you ask them, they've been all over the place, and you ask their wives, and you ask their children's experiences uh, in neighborhoods and in the school of Oxford, to, to nobody's surprise, and it's just the best place they've ever lived, and they love raising their families here. And so, 
you know, it is a great representation of what we need in college basketball, and, and they such a great fit in our community. That voice you hear is Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach, and this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going to go right back to Kermit real quick, though. I want to tell you about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. I want to bring up something else too, because look, it's a part of this as well. I talked to a prospect. I know you can't directly talk about prospects. I'm not doing that here. But I talked to a prospect recently that y'all are in on, and he mentioned seeing you, seeing your face there in Jackson, seeing the causes that you're kind of at the forefront of. And I I think that's important too, especially when Ole Miss, and you and I have talked about this off the record before, unfairly has had to deal with having to live with its history constantly despite the progressive steps it's taken to distance itself from its history. So I think, you know, you've been out in front of this and also being a representation of Ole Miss, that's what Ole Miss can only hope for, right? That Ole Miss can actually move it forward and get the recognition. I think that it sometimes just doesn't get and it actually deserves. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, do we have things in the past that we're not proud of? Sure we do. And there's a lot of states, there's a lot of people that can say the same thing. But, you know, we, we can't be judged now you know, what we do is that the best thing that we can do is what, what are the best things for the players that I coach, you know, and that's, that's who I, I care deeply about is our players. And can they, can you look them in the eye and they know they trust you that you're doing the right thing for them. And, you know, those families can drop their son off at school here and our trust and know we'll have a great experience. And I told our team this about two or three weeks. I said, guys, the biggest compliment we're having conversations about the flag, social injustice, I said the biggest compliment that we can have is that your experience will be so powerful and so good that one day you want to have your son or daughter come back to Ole Miss. And I said that would be the greatest compliment that Ole Miss can have. And so I said that's the experience that we want you to have. And so that those those, those are things that we're just continuing to strive for all the time. And uh, I don't know Ole Miss has just taken some some really big good steps in, in the past you know ten or fifteen and twenty years. And uh, and so I know we're making great progress here. Are we there yet? Nope, we're not. But uh, but we are making great progress. All right, some basketball stuff. Tell me that basketball is going to start on time. <laughs> ben, basketball is going to start on time. Yes, breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> you, you know, I, I really, I know we're always looking at time, 
you know, and we thought the heat was going to calm down the virus. And obviously there's a ton of hot spots and, and our country is still going through some difficult times and our state is too. You know, I, I really believe that college basketball, you know, I know optimistically as it will start in November, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know we talk about it. A lot of it's going to depend on, you know, to how the NBA does, you know, and how, how the games go there. And uh, so I know that's the conversations, but, but it's like everybody has three or four different plans. You know, I mean, the regular conference seasons, uh, you know, some type of hybrid maybe scheduling uh, and conference starting the season in January. We're going to play college basketball. And there's, I'd be sure, I think there for sure there's going to be an NCAA tournament and all that. But, uh, you know, we just got to control what we can control and move forward. How does college football and the decision about college football, whatever it is, impact basketball? Oh, it's financial part of it. I mean, you know, I mean, the SEC network, college football on our campus and what it means to, to just our town, uh, economically, what it means to our students, uh, what it means to getting students to come back to school, uh, the budgetary uh, things that, that it's responsible for, for all the sports on our campus. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a driving force. I don't care even if you're at Kentucky. I mean, college football at Kentucky, they average about 65000 a game. You know, I don't know Kentucky basketball is big, but they get twenty, twenty-one thousand. So college football is important every single campus, uh, and it is here. And the biggest thing, you know, it's just we miss college football. We miss, you know, we miss spring practice. We miss everything that leads up to it. I mean, I enjoyed football media days, just following on the internet and through the papers. And so we just miss it. We miss everybody coming together, feeling good about their school. And uh, so there's a lot of different ways that it that it factors in that we all miss. So when you look at your roster with Romello, with uh, the newcomers like Demetrio when he gets on campus, Robert Allen, what do you like about your roster the most right now? And what do you want to see as far as the pieces coming together and the areas in which you're going to really work hard to try to develop? What's kind of those areas for you? Yeah, you know, the first thing is you know, we're going to try to get Robert Allen to be eligible to play in November. So that's something we're working on now. So we'll see how that, how that, that works, you know, when you appeal uh, to do that. So that's one thing that we're going to do. And if it, if it doesn't work out, then obviously he's, he's fine with red shirt. And I do think he can, he can help our team. Um, I, I like, I just like our depth. You know, you look at our recruiting class and it's one high school guy but really two high school guys with Sean Robinson. I, I like the mixture. So I think the experience that we brought in, you know, obviously with Matthew and then Sean and Jarkel red shirting, and then, you know, Domencio, Romello and Robert. So good mixture. And I just think our bodies look better. When I look at KJ Buffin's body, Sammy Hunter's body, dude, or Austin, you know, bigger, Jarkel. So I know we're just going to have uh, better depth be a more physical team, hopefully be a tougher team. And, uh, you know, and I think our experience that we've added is going to help us. You're going to laugh at this, but help me understand the eligibility waiver process because I don't get it. <laughs> JT Daniels is eligible mm-hmm. at Georgia. I don't know how, but there's no precedent. Yeah. Robert Allen then should be a slam dunk. I don't understand why some kids get eligible at certain schools and some kids have to sit out. Yeah, it, it is, man. I, you know, I mean, obviously kids are using COVID. Some other using other 
you know, other uh, examples of maybe trying to get eligible here. Uh, does coaching changes uh, play a factor? Sometimes it does not. You would think that would probably be a pretty good one. You know, if you have a coaching change and you signed uh, that school, but sometimes that doesn't factor in uh, at all. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess, case by case, because like you said, you get some of them like, wow, that kid didn't get his appeal or really that guy got one, you know. And uh, so it's just one of those things. I, I'd love to answer that question. Uh, sometimes it's mental health issues. You know, the kids go through some different things on campus that they weren't uh, comfortable in. And uh, there's a lot of different things that can factor into it. You know, this could have been easily solved with a uh, one-time transfer. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, that's just something they didn't want to touch. And, uh, you know, I agree, yeah. That, that's going to happen. Yeah, we're going to be sitting here next year, and that's going to happen. And so there's going to be a lot of, you know, the message boards, and then your world is going to get uh, – they're going to have to enjoy it because there's going to be a lot of action. There's going to be a lot of action coming and going uh, throughout college athletics, not only in basketball but in football. So you fix to get a lot busier. See, that's what I'm so fascinated by. We're sitting here and we're talking about the season and your roster. And I don't know what my job's going to look like in a year, what college basketball is going to look like in a year, college football, whatever the season is. It's just such a strange time to be living in college sports or in the world of college sports if you work in it. Because I'm with you. It's going to look completely different in a year, everywhere. Yeah. And, it's, you know, it's not just coaches and players and fans, but it's business owners. You know, just think about what college, I mean, you know it as well as I do, Ben. It's who it affects, and it's amazing who it affects. Not only, you know, just the people that may be on businesses around the square or, or clothing stores around the square, or they missed on all the orientation this summer of all the parents and, and kids coming through for orientation and football weekends, basketball, baseball weekends. I don't know. It's just, it's just amazing the tentacles and who it touches, you know. And so it really is. You, We just miss it. But economically, for all these college towns and great college towns like Oxford, uh, where you feel for them, you just want some resolution and, and where they can do see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and, and get ready to go back and then have their business thriving again. Be honest. Is it possible to have football, basketball, and baseball all in the spring? It is, Ben. I'm serious, it is. I, uh, because, trust me, in basketball, that football is the animal because it's got so many people. We have 130 people, you know, that you're trying to move around. But in basketball, you know, we're, we got our players and our staff. It's a small number. Baseball a bit bigger than us. But, I mean, th- think about if it happened some of the weekends, whether you're playing, okay, LSU at home and basketball on Friday night, get LSU and football on Saturday, and, you know, Mike is playing, and, you know, at, at certain times. And I don't know, maybe, I, how does college baseball, you know, maybe they go on a – Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and they play two games on Sunday. I don't know how they do it to kind of, you know, divide it all up, but I think you could have some unbelievable weekends on campuses if it all goes to it. And and, and you've got to be positive. These people, you know, they've got some creative people uh, that you could make it work. And uh, and, and fans, you know, it'd be a lot, of, a lot of things going on, a lot of things to cover, but I, I do think we can sure make it happen. I will say this, though, for football, what would be really scary is those kids that are going into the draft that are high draft picks, they're going to opt out. So, hey, Devontae Shuler might be getting recruited to play wide receiver. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. I did, never, I did not think about that, of, of not playing in, uh, in, in the, for football. That's a good point. I mean, so, 
you know, a lot of elements, like I said, I'm in my own little world of, of my team and, and our, and our building and our staff, but yeah, you're right. It's just the biggest thing. I know we all, it's just flexibility. I know we all want answers. We all want structure. Tell me what my, when my kids are going to go to school, tell me how the class is going to be organized. I think everybody is just waiting to the very end just to see what is best. And, uh, it is to see what comes out of the SEC office here soon, you know, about their plans. Don't we have to know something pretty concrete by the end of this month at the latest? You would think so. You've got to. I mean, like I said, start dealing with that many people, you know, and, and the scheduling and the different things, you know. And I know uh, Dr. Boyce and his staff is is just putting together all kind of different uh, plans, you know, to get our kids back on campus, student bodies, and, you know, and, and in different areas of, of education departments on campus and, you know, of in classes, online, different things. So, yeah, it's just going to be, uh, and I think it'll start kind of, you know, really a little bit with football about what do people think about as far as fans uh, coming to games and, you know, giving people confidence to, to bring their, their child back on campus. Well, last thing, and I'll let you go. I know you can't talk about kids like I mentioned earlier, but how's recruiting going? It's going good. I mean, we spent all day today, I mean, just talking and texting the 22s. Uh, I've got a list right here in front of me, you know, probably got, I don't know, 30, 35, 22s. And we've probably got a list right here in front of me of, of 21s that are, you know, 20 to 25. And, uh, you know, so we're just active. Our staff is, is working all the time. They're, they are playing AAU tournaments. Uh, we can't go, but we can watch them online, streamline. So we're watching games on, on weekends and then come back and meet on Monday. And, you know, we, we've watched them. And, and so, yeah, it's just a new way to do business. And, uh, you know, instead of you paying for booklets as you would at the, at the gate at the AAU gym, you know, you're subscribing to being able to watch it for a certain amount of money, you know, that your staff can watch it uh, during the weekend. So, so we're still, you know, obviously getting a chance to evaluate. This is where I'm at. AAU's playing. you got summer baseball leagues like the Northwoods where Tim Elko is playing. They've figured out a way to play. Why can't we figure it out with college? I, I think I think it's just the risk. I, I think the presidents of the risk of students. I, I don't know. It, it is. It's 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 crazy. But it's just something that it's uh, you know little league baseball parts and travel baseball is going on everywhere. I, I just think at, at at our college level, you know, I, I think just the risk on every campus and making sure that people are just their students that that I'm serious. I know it sounds corny, but that that families have entrusted their student, whether it's an athlete or a regular student coming to school to our university is one of safe. And, uh, and I think they're doing everything in their power to try to keep that in mind. All right. So four scholarships. So two guards and two forwards. That's what you're looking for for this class. Yep. Right now, cookie cutter, two guards. And, and, uh, we got one, you know, that's committed. And, uh, and so we have three to give and, uh, you know, so, you're right. There's a lot of really good players out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, our staff is really working really, really hard. I mean, we're in the office every day, just like regular, regular work days. The only thing we haven't done, we just haven't traveled to, to go recruit. He's Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. You're the man, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it, buddy.
Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.